BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This crowd rises to its feet. Pataro slammed it home! Garland left wing, three ball... Perfect! Garland, one of the lane, lobbed the Mobley, pow! And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow! With the left hand and a foul! Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Roan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. We got an awesome podcast for you guys here. Sometimes the universe throws us a bone. We had this topic in the chamber for a little bit. We booked a great guest for it. And then Evan Mobley gives us the perfect appetizer for this conversation. But before we get to our guests, I must introduce my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, buddy. It was uh, an important uh, second leg of a back-to-back after an absolutely brutal Warriors loss. Um, I feel like, uh, I'll tell you what, I I, uh, I bounce back easier these days. It was like that Warriors game didn't even happen. Muscle memory, man. Uh, we we definitely need that one. I'm I'm sick of calling games the worst loss of the season. Uh, we I feel like we've had a few of those recently, and that Warriors one was certainly a qualifier for that. But the important thing is when you have that step back, it's how you respond. And Evan Mobley responded with 38 points. And joining us today from the Athletic, friend of the podcast, one of my favorite people to talk hoops with, Dave Dufour. Dave, welcome back, buddy. I'm pumped to be here. Pumped to see you guys, man. It's been too long. It's been You're, way too long. Uh, I'm, a true Hall of Fame uh, guest, you know? like uh, Well, a not, true not the basketball of Hall of Fame. Maybe this podcast Hall of Fame. <laughs> a, a Chase Down podcast Hall of Fame. It's not the most prestigious hall, but you're part of it. That, well, I'm I'm honored. <laughs> Good. Good. You didn't sound so honored, but I, I'll, I'll take well, it. Well, more confused that... The, the podcast has a Hall of Fame. I mean, who is it? Me? Isn't it, it's an unofficial um, group. Adam Mares, um, maybe? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. T- Ty Windish, great guy. I, oh, I like, yeah. I like Ty. Ty's, sure. a, yeah. Ty's awesome. I'm, I'm going what to I was him. going for is that uh, my dear friend Dave Dufour, whenever he comes on the pod, we have a good good conversation. That's it. So. Well, half Three the time, though, Carter. Likers. Half the time, Carter's not on here. Half the time, Carter's dodging me. He's like, I, just, I can't. <laughs> I catch 
more strays in my personal and professional life than anyone I know. What a cheap shot. <laughs> That's not a cheap shot. You're just ducking me all the time on the That's pod. Right. I mean, you know, I come on here. I want to talk about how good all your p- favorite players are. And you're just like, I can't with this guy. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, that, because Carter doesn't watch the motivation. games. Well, yeah, Carter doesn't watch the games. And, I, and honestly, it's my it. fault. It's my fault as a guest booker because I'm like, oh, Carter's not able to be here. I should think of getting someone on here. And that's what really (laughs) happens. But it's funny because, Dave, you and I had talked about kind of this idea for a podcast uh, about a week and a half ago, which was there's been a, a talking point. And Carter and I have said it ourselves that in order for the Cavs to be a contender. Evan Mobley Mm -hmm. needs to be that number one. And I I think it's actually a really interesting discussion because the Cavs are trying to balance two kind of ideas of trying to win now as well as develop some of their young players. And I want to start things off with kind of that statement of if the Cavs want to contend, Evan Mobley needs to be the number one. First of all, before we dive into the conversation, do you agree with that statement? No. (laughs) Uh, I mean, listen, I mean, if he is, that's amazing because... Then what is Donovan Mitchell? Then you have, what, two guys that are like top 20 players, uh, you know, Um, (laughs) and and Darius Garland, who's an all-star, and Jared Allen, who's an all-star. I mean, it uh, it seems like you'd have a super team if Evan Mobley uh, was good enough to be your number one option in his second season. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just – you have two number one options already that are guards. They put pressure on, on the defense at every single level. They get to the rim. They shoot deep threes. They're both really good at shooting off the dribble. I I just think that you can you can just be patient with Mobley's offensive game, as far as being uh, more aggressive or whatever people want him to do as a number one option. Which again, it just doesn't make any sense. You have two number one options right now, one of whom in the playoffs, like we know he can do it in the playoffs. So why would you reconfigure yourself to you know uh, around Mobley as this number one guy when? It's a second-year player who, as of right now, like his calling card is his defense. He's your number one guy on defense, I guess. You know, maybe one B behind Jared Allen. But that's a it's a weird that's a weird conversation in general. If that's something that's happening, which I haven't seen it. Yeah, so. well, I think the Cavs have put that pressure on uh, on Mobley themselves, which is like, hey, if we want to be like a true contender, you know, and in fairness to them. We have seen a long line of really good teams with really good players not make it to the promised land because they didn't have a top five guy. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think, it, you know, Donovan Mitchell before the season, I don't think anyone had him in the top five, top you know seven conversation. I think they probably do now. Uh, Darius. Ooh. No, hold on. No, he's having a really nice season, but I, I don't think anybody's got him in top five. Five, five strong, right? I, five top, strong top, even as a top, top seven, top eight, though. He's he's, yeah. he's in that conversation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Chill. No, I know. I, I don't want to be uh, that guy who's like, he, wait, wait, wait yeah, on this one little uh, thing. You know, he, but no one really thought that, you know, I think everyone thought, okay, the Cavs and Jarrett Darius and Donnie, they might have three dudes that are maybe top 30, you know, yeah. top 40 guys, but it's really hard to win without a top five one. And you look at Evan and he is the one with the clearest kind of trajectory towards mm-hmm. that towards that arc. So I do understand it, but you know, what I have really enjoyed is, you know, I was just talking to one of my uh, coworkers uh, last night about, he's talking about so disappointed that the Mavs haven't been able to put anything around Luca. And I'm like, listen, this is LeBron and Cleveland 2.0 where he was so good, so fast. 
Yep. You you didn't have a chance to surround him with talent with with young you know prospects. You had to kind of just go for it right away because you were already a, a semi contender no matter who you had around him. Like Mobley ultimately has the greatest luxury in the league right now, which is like, <laughs> yeah. hey, I actually don't have to stretch myself terribly on the offensive end. I can just try try some things every now and again. You know, flex out a little different part of my game, take a three every now and again, but it, it doesn't really matter if if I put up twenty. Uh, for my team to win and like that's a great luxury and we're still seeing him test himself i mean mm-hmm. if you watch those bucks highlights we saw him uh you know take drew holiday off the dribble uh on on a on a on a bad closeout and finish through brooke lopez we saw him hit some pull-up 15 footers we saw him bury george hill in the post on like three consecutive possessions so we're seeing the traits of a guy who can be a 20 point per game scorer and like I just like I I think anyone focusing on stagnation. I think it might just be a or like the idea that he didn't get better. I think it just might be people not understanding that when people throw out Kevin Garnett comparisons, Giannis comparisons, Tim Duncan comparisons, they're saying that they he could be you know in that neighborhood of player five six years from now. Like those guys weren't <laughs> right. weren't like yeah. this as, as twenty one year olds. Tim yeah. Duncan was still beating up a future uh, car salesman at Wake Forest <laughs> at the time. People forget it. <laughs> I just think year two, right? Like, oh, Tim Duncan, look at how good he was. Well, yeah, he was able to rent a car in yeah. his second year in the league <laughs> or whatever. So, you know, look, man, Evan Mobley is a 20-point-a-game scorer now. Mm. He just doesn't have the usage. I mean, he takes 11 and a half shots a game. Yeah. Like, Honestly, pretty that's... efficient. Like, he's having a pretty efficient season. His his uh, effective field goal percentage is higher. Like, his true shooting's better. Um, I, I just I just don't know what people want. And if you just watch him play, he knows where to be, like, in a to a greater degree. Uh, his relocation. I mean, he's a big. Why is he relocating for, uh, like, he's doing stuff that uh, they clearly are asking him to do stuff. And he is doing it. Relocating on drives as a big and coming, I mean, through the lane, like there's a lot of times where he's catching these dump offs because he just kept moving, you know, and, and, you know, a little bit of Steph Curry in there, not quite, you know, he's not stretching it out to the three point line. I think where people were really concerned is that they, they had this idea in their head that this guy is going to be a stretch big. He's going to dribble the ball more. He's going to shoot more threes off the dribble. He's just not that guy right now. doesn't Mm -hmm. mean he won't be. Yeah. But he's just not that guy. I mean, but if you look at his numbers, they're remarkably similar to last season as, as a rookie. And I think that that's people look at numbers too much without actually watching games or thinking about the context of the team. But for his usage to have gone down slightly and for his numbers to stay like basically the same, his shooting is a little bit better while adding a piece like Donovan Mitchell to the offense, which I mean, could have been extremely disruptive to his development. I think that's a win, man. And they're a good team. His defense hasn't dropped off at all. Um, I, I just, it, you're you're beyond nitpicking if you're like going after Evan Mobley, you know, a year and a half into his career, where he's pretty much put up these numbers since day one. I mean, the guy is like very consistent. If this is his floor, wow. It's absurd. Like his floor is a very helpful player on a team that's won a lot of games already on uh, one of the best defenses in the league when when he's in the lineup. To to me, when I hear, at least when I said at the start of the year, and Donovan Mitchell taking a leap 
to me, changes this conversation a little bit. Because I, mm-hmm. I think if you're talking about an actualized version of this Cavs roster uh, that's contending for a championship, I think Donovan's probably going to be the leading scorer. Like, I, I think you probably going to have him in that play finishing role. It's probably going to be Darius Garland's offense because he's one of the best young point guards in the league. So I, I think people see that and they get confused because you hear Evan Mobley would need to be the number one if they're going to contend. And for me, what that meant is in order for the Cavs to contend for a championship, which I don't think they're going to do this season, but I, I do think that Evan Mobley needs to reach his potential. And when people say that, they think Evan Mobley's potential is so high that if he reaches it, he'd be the best player on the team. But that doesn't necessarily mean leading score on the Cavs, right? right. Like, I, I think especially when you're built around two young guards, Mobley's ability as a playmaker is going to be essential when you're talking about beating playoff defenses, because otherwise teams are going to be able to trap and, and cheat up on Garland and Mitchell and do things that they did to Portland, right, with Damon CJ. Mm-hmm. If Evan Mobley is that guy that can break the defense and free those guys up and provide you with kind of that hub on the inside, that makes it so much harder to defend Garland and Mitchell. And to me, like, that's the most important thing, because if the Cavs contend for a championship, Garland Mitchell might average more points per game, but people still would probably, it's almost similar to Tim Duncan, right? Where mm-hmm. he wasn't the leading scorer on the Spurs. Uh, Manu and Tony were were ahead of him, but everyone could kind of tell this is the, the heart and soul of the team, the anchor of the defense, and, and a crucial hub for what they do offensively. One yeah, of the coolest... I- uh, if, one of the coolest things that I think about that that young duo in uh, Darius and Evan is that they they remind me of two players that never needed to to score forty to be uber valuable to take over a game. You know, I I compare Darius to Steve Nash more than any other player mm-hmm. uh, because of his control. Obviously, the you know his baseline forays. Uh, uh, are very reminiscent, but just in terms of his control of the game, like against the Bucks, he had twenty-one and ten, and like that's not a that's not a stat line, especially in the modern era, that's going to catch a lot of attention. But he thoroughly controlled the game. Uh, Evan, you know, we compare him to Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Chris Bosh, three you know Hall of Fame quality big men that did not need to score thirty points uh, or even grab like you know twenty rebounds. Like they didn't have to do that. Like. There is, I think part of the reason I love basketball so much is because of the subtleties of the game where all, all the little actions you can do when you're a when you're a savant that do not lead to a box score stat. And I think both of them have that, which makes Donovan such an awesome fit because that man is a, is the the you know uh, among the best box score fillers in the league. So they kind of get to have their cake and eat it too with these styles of play. Yeah, I mean, and then the just the fact that he brings that sort of defense and that sort of versatility, and he's a perfect partner w- with Jared Allen. I mean, and, and those two are perfect to have behind Garland and Mitchell. I mean, this is a really well-constructed starting five. And, I mean, if we talk about Okoro, I actually like how he's been playing lately. Like, Ooh. If he I, can I wasn't this, expecting Okoro love, but he, I mean, we go, baby. well, I've, I, he's a guy I want to like. I love how what he brings on the defensive end. Now he's probably not going to shoot the three like this, you know, for the rest of the year. But we like it's a, it's a positive sign. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think that the the roster construction is sort of perfect, and it should allow Evan Mobley to sort of come along slowly. And this is going to allow Darius Garland to come along 
a little bit sore because he's not asked in crunch time every single time to do stuff and fail over and over and over again. Look, the Spurs managed to create Kawhi Leonard, right? <laughs> yeah. Kawhi yeah. Leonard, Kawhi P- possibly Leonard in a lab, peak, right? We, we don't know. Yeah. But I mean, you know, when he came in the league, it's not like they just said, Hey, Kawhi, here you go. Yeah. Take the ball, go do it. I, I mean, one of my favorite Kawhi stats is I think it took him until year five to score 30 in a game. Like, yeah, it, it it's was expectations, just a balanced man. attack, right? It's just, yeah, it's just uh, expectations are different, right? Mobley surprised everyone by being, you know, the level of player that he was right off the bat. And, you know, then you have people talking about him. Oh, wow, this guy, you know, he's going to be up there with Giannis in like three years. Oh, let's pump the brakes. Yeah. Um, he's very good. He's got amazing feel. But, you know, if he's a top 10 player at year five, do you care that he's not like your number one option in year two? I don't care. No, not one bit. I wanted to ask you, though, because uh, Justin brought up the shooting. You brought up the shooting. And something that I do think is really important to say is I don't think he needs to become an elite shooter or even a good three point shooter to be an elite offensive player. And I'm, I'm curious what you think about that. I mean, it'd be nice. It'd be nice, <laughs> but, sure, but I don't think I don't think that precludes his ability no. to be a lead well, offensive player because is, of his feel, his touch, right. and his it, you know his like he's still a kid physically. Like yeah. he's got a lot of strength to add on. What what I'd like to see from him, I don't care. Making shots is, is less important than taking shots sometimes, mm. unless you're Andre Robertson, right? In which case, you are the worst shooter to ever play in the NBA, and no one's ever going to guard you, no matter <laughs> how much you shoot. But Mobley's going to get guarded. He needs to shoot it more. That's it. I don't care if he makes it. He's got to shoot it more because he needs the defender to come out. When he, when the defender comes out, I know he can put it on the floor and get around the defender. He can attack a closeout. So he's got to create the the situation where he, he essentially puts pressure on the defense from outside. And that just requires him to shoot it. Like mm. I'd like to see his attempts get up to like three or four a game. Yeah. If he hits one every couple games, that's worth it, right? Like he doesn't need to he doesn't need to be Kevin Love. He doesn't need to be a knockdown guy. You're not going to run three-pointer. Like you're not going to draw up plays for Evan Mobley on this team to shoot the three. So who gives a shit if he can actually, you know, like who cares if he's sticking it 47% of the time? But he has to shoot it especially when it's open because, you know, they'll drop back and everything's gummed up and, and you just got to take those. So Putting pressure on the defense is important, but yeah, being a knockdown guy doesn't matter. He'll hit. I, I look. I think his jumper is good enough. His touch is good enough that he's eventually going to hit at around league average, thirty-four to thirty-six percent. Um, but if he can just be at three or four attempts a game, that's perfect. That, that's great because now you have to guard him out there. Yeah, pe- people lost their minds when the ESPN article came out talking about um, using Giannis a- as uh, s- someone that showing Mobley Giannis's film and saying this is kind of what you can become. When you actually read the article, so much of it was look at the dedication he had on his body, right? Like look right. what you can do with from a very similar frame as a starting point. When when you make these comparisons, it doesn't mean like Mobley has to become Greek in order to like, <laughs> live up to those kind of comparisons, right? Like might help. It, it, you never know, right? It's I, I hear it's a great country. Uh, but you know, like it's it's about reaching your potential and he's his potential and his ceiling is going to look different than any other player. And right now, a player that I kind of comes to mind sometimes with Mobley is Marc Gasol because so often he's getting that 
those touches at the top of the key, and he's just making the right basketball play. And what I liked about the game against the Bucks was that he was being more assertive in those spots, even though, yeah, there, there's probably a, a right pass to make to, to someone that's open, force the issue a little bit more. Like it, when you say that Mobley needs to take more shots, I don't necessarily even care that much about the three. Like I'd like to see like maybe two, three a game if it comes in the flow of the offense, but I want to see more of kind of the 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 shots at the the free throw line, right? Like take mm-hmm. that 15, 16 footer, uh, attack the basket, do a little more with your touches because at this point, Mobley's getting a, a just shy of 60 touches a game. There's more shots within there, right? Like there are opportunities for him to be more assertive. And I think that, developing that trade in and maybe it comes not necessarily with the starters more when you're staggering throughout the course of a game but i i think developing those traits is going to lay a foundation for a more versatile offense that can allow the Cavs to combat some of what they're going to see in the playoffs when it comes to defenses bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy last year by making investments from coast to coast Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or... Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Yeah, and I do think they're going to see... Uh, there, there are some scabs to pick on at this for this Cavs offense that Mobley's going to have to be relied on to solve. You know, like it or not, their their backcourt is small. So when teams are switching and throwing throwing length at them, Mobley's going to have to beat switches in the post. Um, you know, like that is kind of the number one. Like, can you can can you stay big? Predictor is mm-hmm. like. Uh, are you are you going to beat your mismatches when they when you they put guards on you? Can you get offensive boards? And that's why I was so encouraged by the fact that they threw three straight post ups to him when they when Bucks were uh, 
Bucks were some dubious soft switching last night <laughs> or, or two nights ago, where they were just given given uh, Mobley whatever he wanted, and he we they generated a clean look three possessions in a row, and like that's the kind of thing you're going to need to see when teams blitz Donovan and you catch it on the short roll with a four on three. Does your handle hold up uh, to playoff scrutiny? Can you make the right decisions? Those are the kind of things that we need to see him continue to exhibit. That's why I thought that game was so exciting. Like, obviously, 38 points on 19 shot, shot 19 made field goals uh, is really cool, but I thought it was the way he did it. It wasn't, it was a, a super diverse attack, and that's really mm-hmm. what I wanted to see. Well, it's shooting over guys. Right. I mean, Kevin Durant does it all the time. And that's that's he number one guy. Right. Lo- Lopez so, had nothing to do with him. Yeah, that that's the big thing. Right. Like you want to see him assert himself and actually take the shots when guarded shooting over guys. He's got to make some tough ones. Like, you know, all the greats do. That's one of the signifiers of being a great offensive player. Is you hit these tough guarded shots. I, I, I really wish he could pick up one of the like DeAndre Aiden's little jump hook. Right. If he had a little post move that that felt like, okay, he can get to this. Maybe they go to that early even see if you can get him in a rhythm in there a little bit more. But this is more a strategy and tactics conversation. But uh, they don't need to do that. Like this is the this is the other thing is that the 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 points can come to him when they're at full strength. But part of it is going to be, you know, being more assertive when he gets those switches, especially in the playoffs, because like you're right, uh, Boston in particular is going to be a tough matchup if it's, you know, if Cleveland draws them. And um, with the length that they have, Jason Tatum is going to be hell on on Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. So uh, he's going to that's going to be a big series for him if they wind up, you know, matching up in the playoffs because he's going to be the one. It's not going to be Jared Allen. It's going to be Mobley. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Mobley, Mobley's got the high ceiling for a reason. I do want to know, just in the macro, like, and Justin and I have talked about this a lot, if you're coaching the Cavs, what is your, like, if 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 zero is on, on a slider is focusing 100% on just winning, just whatever gets you the win over the course of the, as many regular season wins as possible, and 100 is you're breaking you're you're kind of going out of your way to to develop mobile and get him touches in reps in places where he's not comfortable where would you live on that slider if you were a coach i mean i want to win the games mm. yeah i do too. Yeah, but that's me like <laughs> that's, i feel like he'll get it over time you know yeah. like like well dude there are you learn a lot when you win you like you learn a lot when you win. If you contribute to winning, you learn a lot, whether it's a big contribution or a small contribution. Like a lot of times you find out who you are as a player in, in basketball, as a role player, because every single guy has a role. But just winning games actually does matter. We yeah. have like it matters, man. Like this this idea that development it's not mutually over, exclusive either. I, look, you can you can punt games forever. Yeah, Orlando Magic have been punting games, and now guess what? They're just playing guys who know how to play. They they've got good they've got good players now, and they're winning some games. The games they're winning matter. the The Phoenix Suns, those eight games that they won in the bubble, that mattered for Devin Booker. Yeah, no, so I, 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 think, I, I think win those games. I, I think development within the context of winning is so important, right? And yeah. that's like. Uh, having the complaint or or not even the complaint, but having like the feedback of, Oh, Evan Mobley's out there making the right basketball play. I'd like to see him call his own number a little more. Like that's a good problem to have. And what I like so much about what the Cavs have built is that 
guys reaching their potential, like the skill sets all fit. Like Darius Garland, good lead guard, great in the pick and roll. Donovan Mitchell can play on ball, off ball. Garland can play on ball, off ball. Both of them work really well off of the bigs. Jared Allen fits the role perfectly. Like these guys reaching their potential, it's not really going to take away for one another. Right? Like for all the talk about Mobley and Garland, uh, like regressing, uh, th- this season, which is ridiculous to me. Darius Garland last year averaged 21.7 points. Darius Garland this year, 21.7 points. Evan Mobley, 15.1 after averaging 15 last year. Like they are still averaging the same number of points per game as they did last year while adding a 27 point per game player to that mix. I don't think people understand that that is improvement. You have shuffled down the pecking order, but have still remained as productive individually. And in Mobley's case, improved his efficiency in a dramatic way. In Garland's case, cut down the turnovers in a big way. Only Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton is the only player averaging as many assists as Garland with fewer turnovers. Like, no, nobody else is doing it. Like, I, I, I just think people are maybe it comes from like romanticizing last season and forgetting that it had ebbs and flows ups and downs but it 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 just seems ridiculous to me does it come from video games i don't know maybe everybody's not going to get their stats all the time but also like the the point you just made they added donovan mitchell and garland's numbers are basically the same oh he's shooting slightly better from three uh turning the ball over less yeah uh cool yeah um there's not much higher to go and actually play basketball with other good players. Like you've got to share the ball too. His usage is, is about the same. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. It that, is. That with Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is a real dude in the NBA. They added him to the team and Darius Garland is so good. He didn't have to take a back seat. And, and what's cool is it, you, I feel like they've really leveraged one that those are two smart dudes, but uh, that they're two good dudes. You know, mm-hmm. like two pretty selfless players. Like, I, I feel like I've never seen less kind of pu- pulling uh, where you've got two dudes who are just used to having the ball every possession. I really, you know, you never see the uh, big gets the rebound and both guys run to go get the ball. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like there, there's not that your turn, my turn. It feels like a very natural partnership. And that's just not that common for young players. Uh, and like, I just really think it speaks to the kind of guys they are and just how smart both those players are. Yeah. I mean, and the culture, Mm. this, this is, uh, this is San Antonio Spurs stuff that, that they're kind of putting together. You know, when you look at the young talent that they've got a star in Mitchell, obviously, you know, not homegrown, but still got a star after they rebuilt from the LeBron, you know, emptying of the cupboard. And and now you've got two young guys. It, it, they can probably stagger all these contracts out to make it work for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And you've got your bases covered as far as having a good basketball team. The floor of this team is not going below the five seed, you know, or the fifth best team in the East. Yeah, calamity that's your would floor. have to strike. You know? Right. Yeah, that's your floor. And that's a good place to be, especially when you if you look at the at the league. I mean, look, Kevin Durant is getting older. Uh, he's, he keeps getting injured. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to stay injured next year, but they, they can't really count on him. Who knows what Kyrie's coming back. So the East might even be different at the top and, and Cleveland may have less competition up there. Um, you never know with Philly, right? They can go one way or the other. They look good right now, but you never know. 
And so and still depending on a player, you know, that is on the back end of his, you know, life cycle as a star. Right. And Harden. Yeah. Although he's playing. He's, he's playing, playing so awesome. well, right? He's, he's playing, playing awesome, awesome yeah. but he's old, you know, he's probably he is. two, two, two more years of this level of play. Right. Probably. I mean, every NBA so player is a cyborg now, so I don't know. Right. That's true. He's going to play until he's 80. Uh, Boston, you know, in Milwaukee, they're going to be there because Giannis isn't going anywhere. Jason Tatum's not going anywhere. Um, so you're going to no, have to deal I, with can them. Can I note, can I note, the rest of Milwaukee's core is sneaky, pretty old. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. And like also. That matters a little. It Best does. But, in the world, but, but I do think you'll be able to build around Giannis a little bit better than, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe Embiid, right? Um, I would agree. But so I, I just don't, you know, I, I think this team is going to be in the top half of the East for the next few years. And if Mobley can develop into the guy that everyone sort of was thinking he was going to be last year around this time, when, you know, there were, I, there were people in basketball that I really respect who were like, well, it's Mobley's league now. And I was like, well, all right, hold on. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the man. They're like, but that's, he's going to be, early. I mean, th- these people saying he's going to be the best player in the East in like three years. And that is a lot. That's a lot. He's very the good. The best player in a conference is, well, there's only two of them. Uh, that's right. Just, yeah. I, I ran the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Steph, Steph Curry and Giannis. So. Uh, I okay. We'll we'll come keep on. uh we'll keep come her on. moving there. I mean, come on. Steph comes back and they fall below five hundred. He's out. They go back to five hundred. I I don't know about all that, Dave. But, oh man, you know. don't get me started on Steve Kerr hating Kevon Looney all of a sudden. I, I just don't understand <laughs> it, man. He wouldn't do this against the Cavs. No, 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 no. Um, well, the Cavs aren't a finished product yet, but you know what? I know a finished product that I just absolutely love, and that is Zoom. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! 
and even checkouts not until four so because the american express platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants elevated experiences at live events and 4 p.m late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with amex terms apply dave i want to go back to you for a second here because you, you were starting on the Garland praise, and even though it's not really on the rundown, I'm a sucker for it. Uh, Arius Garland plays, like, in my eyes, my favorite brand of basketball stylistically. Like, I just love the way that he can get his own shot and create for himself and others. Uh, seems to be a narrative that drives me nuts that he and, Gar- uh, he and Mitchell haven't uh, had good games on the same night, which is insane if you look at November and basically every month where Garland hasn't been hurt. Uh, But what do you think his ceiling is? Because as high as Mitchell is playing, like as high of the level as Mitchell is playing right now, I still think Darius Garland can get to that level. And I'm sure people would have debates and and whatnot if that were to occur and prioritize things at different uh, ways. But it's, in terms of tiers, I feel like Darius Garland has that kind of a potential to get up to that level. I mean, I think he could be an all NBA guy. I mean, he, he's really, really good. His his deep three ball is excellent. His shooting off the dribble is excellent. I mean, he's a little bit of like Steve Nash mixed with Steph Curry. I'd mm-hmm. love to see him do even more of the Curry stuff. I think we, this is a conversation we've had quite a bit. If Mobley could could be their offensive Draymond, that would be something pretty he, special, right? Yeah. He's got a little Nash to his own detriment sometimes. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, sometimes you'd be watching those Suns teams and you'd be like, Steve, you're just going to have to shoot a little bit more, buddy. Well, yeah, honestly, and- the, the cr- critique I had in the Bucks game was, right now I think he plays a little too much like current Chris Paul in terms of pace, and he needs to play like Hornets Chris Paul in like and actually push the pace, get into the sets a little bit quicker, because as the point guard, that's his responsibility. That's his duty to dictate how the team's going to play. You're never going to be a complete fast break team where you're like leading the league in pace, but getting into their sets quicker, I, I think would be a real kind of not a massive change to his game, but I think it would have a large impact on how effective the Cavs are. Well, I mean, they're a team that that should be trying to get into half court stuff fast, right? Because most a lot of their their well, brother plays, do they not? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say a lot of their plays try they take time to develop, mm-hmm. um, and this is where you know that the Mobley's growth, I think, away from the ball and, and learning to relocate has been big for them because as those plays develop and break down. I think he's been pretty good this year about picking spots to to flash to for those guards when they're driving. Like he's a, a little bit of a release valve inside for them, um, and more so than just in the dunker spot. Like hanging out in the dunker spot is great. You get a lot of buckets there, but that doesn't necessarily like form good foundations of offense because the defense knows where you are, so they can account for you eventually if it becomes a problem for them. Whereas what Mobley's been doing a little bit more freelance stuff, I think, can open up even more for for Garland as a as a penetrator and, and as a playmaker. But you're right. He probably needs to call his own number a little bit more. I mean, you've got two 30-point-a-game scorers on, on the on the roster to me. Yeah. I think you can have any night. To have that kind of firepower is great. What do you want? It, it, they're not both going to average 30, and also Mobley's going to be your number one option scoring 25 a game. I mean, like, this is, this is one of these things where uh, maybe it's um, – Cavs fans have it too good right now. They mm-hmm. just have too many options. Because what would happen if Donovan Mitchell was like, okay, I'll take a backseat and 18 points a game. Yeah. And and well, what's wrong with Donovan Mitchell? 
we gave up three first yeah for 18 <laughs> <Right>. points a game <laughs> right i yeah. honestly i've i've forgot uh until recently because i with the whole narrative of Garland and Mitchell not having a good game on the same night, I went back and looked at it. And, and November, Garland averaged 24 and 9, Mitchell 27 and 4. Uh, just like it's impossible for them to not be having good games at the same right. time. And I believe there's 15 games that they both scored 20 in, and just like a couple handfuls of games where it's like 18, 19 with the other one. But Coming across that, like looking through that, I forgot how ridiculous the Charlotte game was, where Darius had 41 and 6, Mitchell 34 and 6, Mobley 21 and 18, and Allen 20 and 12. Like that is video game. That that is when I'm playing 2K with the sliders all <laughs> messed around. Started, brother. And, this, and, Dave, and sending you know the screenshot. This animal does. <laughs> oh no. This animal will play on like five minute quarters. Six minute baby. At, at like hundred and fifty possessions per 100 or you know like like and and then the, he will have the game prorate his stats as though they were 12 minute quarters so when he goes to check his team stats it'll they be double. like Darius averaging like 46 points a game Donovan <laughs> averaging 43 and 12 it's like my god Justin there's just no no respect for the fidelity of, of, of true basketball out of you gosh well, that's insane I'm I'm it's, a man. Horrible. I'm a very complex man, Carter. I, I can and then do. This, this, and then this absolute dirtbag will post his screen grab of his of his stats in our in our Discord, like he's proud of himself. I am proud of myself. Unacceptable. I'm, I'm I'm such a complex person, Carter. I can enjoy that, and I can also enjoy Evan Mobley getting an honest 38 points without a free throw, without That's a three right. pointer. I. I can appreciate so many different things in life, Carter, and I, I think you need to stop and smell the roses a little more. I'll never smell that particular rose bush. <laughs> Stinky one to me. Uh, Dave, oh. you mentioned that the Cavs, when it comes to their offense, they do take some time to get into their sets because, you know, they, they are working with a spacing deficit a lot of the time. I think they get very creative with some of the split cuts they run. Horns is a bread and butter play for them. Um, mm -hmm. What are your impressions of the Cavs offense to this point? And do you think the potential for growth with that offense comes more from internal improvements, like maybe something schematic, maybe something developmental? Or is it more personnel-based that some changes are going to need to be made to bring in some spacing and shooters to unlock what this offense could be? For the record, you know, they are 10th in the league right now in offensive okay. rating. I'll tell you, this is going to be a unique response maybe to this. But they are leaving money on the table by not crashing the glass. Ooh. I want to see Mobley and Allen on the offensive glass and that that's room for improvement for Mobley right away. Hmm. 17th those, in the league. By get the those way. offensive, offensive rebounds rebound, right? up. You're playing two, you're playing the twin towers, man. Use them. Offensive rebounding, if you look around the league, the the I mean the finals last year was settled on the offensive glass. Wiggins and Looney were monsters on the offensive glass for the Warriors. Offensive rebounding is just if you're not crashing the glass right now, you're you're behind the times offensively. Yeah. Yeah. Just right now they're fourteenth. I just looked it up. They're fourteenth in the league in opponent fast break points. They're seventeenth in the league in offensive rebounding. And so I you're do not think doing either well. You're not doing right? either that great. I, I hmm. think that I think that is I think that's pretty clear. Do you think that you put yourself a little bit at risk? Something that I've noticed about this team, Dave, is that one of the reasons they can be a little vulnerable to that is they're playing two bigs. 
you know, oftentimes underneath the free throw line. Mm-hmm. They're often they often have Isaac Okoro uh, posted up in the corner. And then, you know, if one of their guards is on a foray to the hoop, sometimes they're often having four players under, underneath their own rim. And shooting threes. You, yeah. And and how do you think that you how do you think that they'll be able to crash the boards while still maintaining the floor balance that we know you need to actually stop teams in transition? Well, I think you you would have to adjust and two guys are just going back on the shot, right? Like I mean, this is I think they um, get caught gawking a little bit more than that's, uh they should. That's definitely a thing. I mean, but that's a young team thing too, right? Like that's pretty pretty common for young teams to get you know, these sort of mental mistakes where you're just in the game and you, you know, you want to see the ball go in, especially the shooters, man. It's, it's hard to work out of guys to get the shot up and get back, you know, mm-hmm. and that's basically what they'd have to do. But when you're, if you're going to play those two bigs, one of them needs to crash just about every single time, if not both, you know, a Coro is actually a decent offensive rebounder. If you bring him in just as a good athlete, Donovan Mitchell, have him crash. You know yeah. I mean? He, he can really get up. So I just want to see them. That's one of the things I would do. Now, that's not like a schematic change uh, necessarily. Like it's not do more of this type of play. It's yeah. it's kind of an effort. <laughs> no, it's not even an effort because it is, a, it is a, a, a decision. Like they have made a decision to sort of limit transition and to not actually attack the, the offensive glass. So I would just rather see them do it. I mean, you, you play two bigs. You might as well lean into it and try to be bigger. You're, you're just leaving points out there. You know, if they could pick up two, you know, two or three extra buckets a game on offensive rebounding, that's huge. It's massive. Yeah, that that would make a big difference. And it's funny because I I do, I I think sometimes this is just on me where I I look at criticisms and even if it's only 20%, that 20% always sticks out more. Like it even comes down to like the outlier shooting games. Like the, the Cavs did not have the effort they needed against the Golden Mm -hmm. State Warriors. I think they just assumed that the shots would stop, start missing at some point because the, the backups were in, but they let them get comfortable. And by the time you turn it on, the Warriors were already in a groove and too hot. Um, But Everyone was sitting there thinking, oh, well, this is another outlier three-point shooting game where it had been a long time since an opponent had shot well, but those games always stick out. And I think for criticism, like the the criticism is always going to stick out more to me than the praise. And there just seems to be a lot of questions about the cast schematically. There's just so, it, so I just think those questions are wrong, man. Like your 10th overall offense playing three non-shooters or three rep, you know, reputed non-shooters, uh, heavy minutes with mm-hmm. players coming on and off the bench that are either you know non-shooters or having rough shooting seasons in the form of Kevin Love. Um, well, so, I know like, what you think. I, I was going to ask Dave what he thinks. I know. I'm get, <laughs> I'm setting it up. He's setting so, me up. Yeah, give me a set. Am I allowed to opine? You just went on a thirty-minute monologue. Yeah, about, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I've really, really been impressed by the schematics. Like, I feel like they've stolen just enough uh, momentum. And I don't know if you feel this way, Dave, but it, it, I, the offense did get a lot of criticism the past couple of years for being overly simplistic. And I felt like you were kind of betting on, if you were a fan of JB and the offense he was putting together, that, you know, he's just waiting on better personnel and feels like better personnel's here and they're running more sophisticated stuff, right? Yeah. Basically, I mean, you know, when you have better players, you can do things a little bit differently, a little higher level. And and you've got high IQ guys. That's that's where we're really seeing things unlocked. And you have two dynamic ball handlers now 
Like Colin Sexton, fine player, not Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. not Darius Garland. And now you have two of those guys. It allows you to do more stuff. You know, you can trust those guys a little bit more. Um, than, and you have than, a roster full of guys who you actually intended to roster, not guys you picked up through, you know, oh, well, we can buy a second rounder here if we take on this guy. Right. Like that goes a long way. It's too. a real team. Yeah. So, you know, the whole playbook is out. I mean, this is the sort of team that you break the whole playbook out for. You have, you know, a veteran guard in Donovan Mitchell who knows how to lead an offense. And you've got Darius Garland, who, you know, pretty damn good. So, yeah, I think that I guess from a from a play like play perspective, they're doing a little bit more. But I just want to see them get to get to it faster and then more on the offensive glass. And I I think that just you can just boost your offense just a little bit more with those two things. You're going to get more possessions. Just getting into your stuff faster gives your offense more time to work. And offensive rebounding and and a faster pace gives you more possessions. And this is a good team. They should want more possessions, right? More possessions shakes out. The math is in your favor as a good team. Yeah. And and I'm also just looking forward to having some continuity like donovan mitchell's list is probable for the game in new york this is going to be the healthiest the Cavs have been in a very long time darius has lost the the uh, thumb sling uh i'm encouraged to see that he's been playing a lot better so hopefully they're going to get a little bit of an extended run here and for me the biggest thing is like i when it comes to talking about shot distribution, like for the people that say, well, you don't think you're contending for a championship and Mobley's growth is the most important thing. So why are we not force feeding him? To me, when it comes to like the evolution of the Cavs offense, I want to see the Cavs offense evolve as more personnel, better personnel comes in. Do you make adjustments? Are there additions to the offense that utilize that personnel? When Darius or Evan add skills or they become more polished in certain areas do you weaponize that and use it within the offense and i feel like the offense that the Cavs run has been evolving with the personnel and with the team and that's the most important thing like you are going to have issues you're going to have nights where the execution just isn't there whether it's on the offensive or defensive end Cavs need to find more consistency i said at the top of the show i i'm I'm sick of seeing the phrase, that was the worst loss of the year. That's happened a few too many times recently. And it's disappointing that those games have been the ones where you think you could win. Um, You're up 14 against the Wolves and Gobert goes down and and you lose that one. Uh, The Jazz game where you give up a seven-point possession and you lose that. Warriors without Steph and those guys. But when you're talking about the long-term health and outlook of the team, the fact that they're competitive against the Memphis Grizzlies while they're as hot as can be without Donovan Mitchell, the, the fact that they were able to get up at a rest disadvantage and take care of business and bounce back against the Milwaukee Bucks, that's the kind of stuff that makes me feel still optimistic about what they can be this season, even though we know that what they've built isn't all about this year. The, the other thing is, this time last year, did anyone think Boston was going to the finals? They were below 500, yeah. I believe. So, point. you know, this idea that um, anything's set in stone. No, man, there's too much parity in the league. It's, it's, you know, one player getting hurt can change everything. And we yeah. already know that. And somebody gets hurt almost every year. Yeah. Um, things happen. Cavs have had a, a, their share of that already this year, too. Guys make leaps. Teams make leaps. I, I just I'm not willing. I, I'm out on this idea that if you weren't expected to win a title coming into the season, there's no way you're winning the title. I think we're past that. I think it's over. 
I mean, Denver yeah. might might make the finals this year. And, and you know, well, Boston looks like the favorite in the pick, East, so that right? Was just predetermined, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, I do but, think, you know, I think there's I think too much inexperience, is, though, with the Cavs. Like, that's most that's likely. Yeah, probably. But, but w- wouldn't you compare them favorably to Memphis? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who I also and, think but are people don't, absolutely, right? But, but if Memphis made the finals, no one would think it was crazy. No. Well, when you're playing in the the league's junior varsity conference, Dave. <laughs> Ben Gulliver is going to hunt you down now, Carter. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, girl, girl. You guys remember that growing up, like the Western Conference was all the soft teams. You guys oh, remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the finesse, the finesse. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, the they played East, different. Yeah, yeah. No, it's those guys just hang out at the beach all the time. I, I mean, if you believe iron Still sharpens do, iron, this is the perfect Eastern Conference for the Cavs to come up because they got a ton of MVP candidates, a lot of really good teams, and it's just so much more competitive. Like, I, I saw the Lakers, are they game out of sixth in the West? Like, that's insane <laughs> I, to me. I've stopped looking at the standings in the West because it just it doesn't matter. It, I, yeah, I, it boggles the mind. Let me know in mid-March what, what the playoffs look like. I, I just, um, it, it's every single day. I mean, the Warriors just do something dumb like twice a week and, and lose bad game, like lose games that they should win. And I, I that haven't witnessed that. The I, I wish, I wish they would do that against us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was a bad we, loss for you guys. We, we, we saw strength in numbers in a way that I just hated. And and you know what? I, I made this joke on Twitter, but the monkey paw definitely curled because I we said on the podcast, you know what? I'd take a split of this weekend, no matter what the form was. Uh, Warriors Bucks, I'll take that split. That's perfectly fine if you walk away with one win. And on paper, if you were going to pick which game you'd rather win, it's the Bucks. They now yeah. have tied the the season series against the Bucks. It's going to come down to division record. The Cavs have a much better division record at this point. Uh, they're basically in the driver's seat for the tiebreaker with every top team in the East, uh, with the exception of Brooklyn. But Losing that game to the Warriors is just so painful because it's just another missed opportunity to make up some ground on these other teams. But from here on out, the Cavs have the second easiest schedule in the league. And this week right now is a great opportunity for them to go get some wins. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Absolutely. I do want to ask you, though, Dave, you know, we, we got the deadline coming up uh, here in just a couple weeks. Uh, if you are Kobe Altman and, and you, you know, you might have the ammo to make a move, what kind of uh, upgrades are you looking for for this roster? Is it pure shooting? Mm-hmm. Is it is it, you know, size on the wing? What, do you, what, what are you valuing most? I mean, if you can find look, if you can find size on the wing, let me know because uh, everyone's looking for it. You could have gotten Rui Hachimura for whatever that's worth, right? Like, there's just no the the three and D wing market is non-existent. Yeah, um, everybody has a chance. Everybody feels like they have a chance, and so yeah, none of those guys are out there and available. Especially so I think if you, you don't have any first to trade. Yeah, which yeah, they, yeah. Which they don't. Yeah, I think you're looking at like swapping money. Um, and, but hopefully getting some shooting. I know everybody's favorite trade is Tim Hardaway Jr. for Karis LeVert. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, that's a tough trade for Dallas to make, yeah. believe it or not, which says a shit ton about Dallas, <laughs> um, you know, um, and more so than I think Cleveland, right? Like Cleveland could use Tim Hardaway Jr., but Dallas, like they need him every two games to have a good game. That's yeah, a luxury that, is... that the Cavs can can survive. Um, the the Mavericks really they just no they can't do without him. And, and I don't know if if Karras is is enough to get them to move Tim Hardaway Jr. But a Tim Hardaway Jr. type be fantastic for you guys. You guys like um, Dougie McBuckets, you know. Yeah, like, I, and, I think this and that team, would be pretty cheap. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the report uh, today was like second round pick and uh, or yeah, something. Two, two second lines. round picks for uh, McDermott was the report. And he's a guy uh, who can play the four. Um, yeah, he can slide. along with one of the bigs. So I think that that's a guy who who works out well. Um, the, the but yeah. comparison I've been making, and I'm interested in what you think about this because this team just has, you know, obviously Darius and Donnie are elite, elite three point shooters. Um, you know, Kevin just hasn't been able to do it ever since he broke his thumb. So you look at the two great shooters on the team; they're guys who have the ball in their hands the most, which is you know a challenge and. I just can't help but think that if they can find a true like elite shooter, you know, not the not the pretty good guys, but the guys who are like teams are panicking to fly at closing out right. on them. I think it'll have a similar effect as to when the team traded for Channing Fry in 2016, where you know the second you know Fry was the definition of a distressed asset uh, coming from Orlando. No one thought anything of that move. That was kind of like a nice depth trade, and then the second. He, he flares out and runs his first pick and pop. Everyone goes, oh, <laughs> like, and I really think that this team is really hurting for an elite off ball shooter that doesn't happen to also have a usage rate of 25 uh, plus like they're two, like they're two star guards. Where are you going to find that guy? though? Uh, it's that's, hard. that's the it's thing, hard. right? Like it's, it's, that's the thing everybody's been looking for. I mean, look, man, uh, Miami would maybe give you Duncan Robinson. Uh, I don't yeah. know about all that. Like it, part of <laughs> part of why we don't get into the the fake trade machine on here is it's just so hard to know what's available, who's available for what. Like 
I I know I've said this a million million times, but if I came on this podcast and said, "Oh yeah, Dante uh, Dante Exum and, and the Bucks late first for Jared Allen," that that all that yeah, the Cavs can do that. They they can get Jared Allen for that. Get laughed off the airwaves. My yeah, I, I'd look like a crazy person, and I already do that enough. So like, it, it's just not productive. But I I've said to to Carter. Uh, you're probably not going to get a three and D width size. That's just the hardest thing to get. I I'd probably prioritize shooting over anything else, right? Like it, even if it comes in like a six four, six five player like a Tim Hardaway Jr. that that can Completely get threes fine up. With that. I'm I'm fine with that because you have the size to to make up for that. And, and at the end of the day, I think we probably make just a little bit too much of six five versus six seven functionally in the NBA. Um, so th- that would probably be the priority and. I mean, it's tough. Like you, you talk about who the Cavs can move to get those kind of players, and it's guys that are in the rotation that have been helpful. Like right now, the best fifth man from in terms of lineup data standpoint with the core four is Karis LeVert. That's been the best combination. Uh, he's been very good for them uh, this year. And Jetty Osmond's an expiring, but Jetty's also been someone that can be uh, that spark plug off the bench. And Kevin Love ha- has played a big role, and he's an expiring contract, right? So it's going to be tricky. I, I don't envy the position Kobe Altman's in, but yeah, well, this I, is when this is when it gets hard, you know. Uh, it, finding it value so in the much, margins, right? I, and I've said this uh, a few times uh, on these airwaves, which is that it is so much easier to get a deal done when the other teams don't respect your team, when no one's worried <laughs> about you. You know, true. like like I guarantee you, Sean Marks was like, <laughs> they can take Jared Allen. Uh, we're not worried <laughs> about the Cavs, <laughs> and now they got to be. You know, and when you when you're a, when you're a you know probably a tier two contender uh, in the league, trying to become a tier one contender, people are pretty freaking careful about giving you useful players. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a really interesting challenge for Kobe in a spot we've never seen him operate. We know he loves wheeling and dealing. Fourteen midseason trades. Since he took over, so and he we know he's seven a of them in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only only nine or fourteen of them, uh, you know. Uh, but this is a different landscape, and it'll be really interesting watching the watching him learn on the fly. I think that's one of the fun things about this stage of the team's development curve is we're gonna watch the Cavs have to solve new problems in the postseason. Uh, mm-hmm. with this young core we're gonna have to see their front office solve new problems we're gonna have to see their coaching staff solve new problems and pretty much across the board that's kind of the situation we're in almost everyone is gonna have to take uh take some lumps and and, and learn some hard lessons and figuring out how they come out of it i think is going to be a real indicator to you know this team's mid to long-term future i mean it's a young organization mm-hmm. theoretically cool. um yeah Kobe and, was a very, very, very junior GM when he got when he got the job. JB is one of the youngest coaches in the league. So yeah, yeah. even at the leadership level, it's and, but with a lot of experience. This yes. is the thing, right? So they have a lot of experience, but they're young. Um, you know, I, I talked about this. I've been talking about this to you guys for years now. Uh, I've been really impressed with the job the front office did. They were there were no home runs until they got Donovan Mitchell. You know, uh, big home runs that we saw coming. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of singles, you know, a lot of doubles. I mean, I, I would call Jared Allen a home run yeah. and I'd call drafting Mobley, but you know, you get a pick that Th- high. Thanks, yeah. Houston. 
Yeah. 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 So, thank you, you know, Houston. But like even Darius Garland, Garland, like, Garland's run, turned into a home run, but that was But he wasn't right off the bat, yeah. right? Like he was injured and, and it was like, you know, is this guy going to be able to, you know, are we going to see anything out of him? You know, uh, all we knew, all I knew about him really was that he was just an amazing passer. And had no idea he he was going to be all these other things. And so, you know, development has been great there. I, I think, look, man, nice and steady. The organization is just nice and steady. Which and buddy, that's a good after, place after, to after, be. After all the, the hubbub in between and during the LeBron years, it's kind of nice to be steady. Well, that's yeah. okay. You're going to trade Evan Mobley for him this summer <laughs> and <laughs> go some, through some, it all again. Many well-sourced folks are saying. Yeah, oh my no. I wouldn't. My no. goodness. I would not. not. Oh, man. Of course not, Dave. No. no you're, Who wants to go collect all to? these second-round picks all over again? That's. Yeah. The, I mean, the Lakers sent three off today. They're going to be recouping second-round picks until I'm, you know, 70. <laughs> Before we get you out of here, Dave, and again, thank you so much for your time. You're always so generous. I just love talking with well, you. You guys are my people. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're my guy. Um yeah. Let's get you out of here with this. Let's get make you do a prediction. Where do you oh, think shit. the Cavs land in the Eastern Conference from a standing standpoint? Like, let's let's take the playoffs out of it. Obviously, they're untested. We'll see what the first round matchup is, and a lot of variables there. But where do you think they land? I'm I'm gonna pull up the standings real quick. So you know, pardon me if they I are, look at the in screen the five weird. Seed. Yeah, they but they are six games back yeah. of the Celtics, one game back of the Nets and Bucks, mm-hmm. two games back of the Sixers. Well, uh, here's what I'm going to say. So Brooklyn, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the Durant injury is a, is a huge deal. But Brooklyn in the playoffs is going to be tough. I, yeah. I think that Brooklyn is not going to have home court advantage, unfortunately, because losing Kevin Durant is just too much. We, we, um, we got them in the play, and I, I don't need to see them in the playoffs. <laughs> well, you may. They might be the it might be the four or five match. Oh, I'm aware. I'm because, aware. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, look, I think Cleveland, uh, I guess it depends on the tiebreaker, but they're in the top four to me. Um, this mm-hmm. is a team that, you know, when you've got this level of, of defensive talent and offensive talent, I think that, you know, top half of the, of the playoffs should be expected. They're better than Miami. I don't think necessarily that they're better in the playoffs than Brooklyn, but they're a better regular season team. How do you compare them to Philly? Because to me, that's the really interesting one. And I, I think the Cavs, I know Philly's higher ahead of them right now, but you look at Philly's schedule, they haven't really played Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. Yeah. Like they still, I believe they have the hardest schedule left and they're going to be playing a lot of those top teams. So whichever way that goes, whether they're winning them all or losing them, that's going to be helping the Cavs climb in the standings. But where do you see the Cavs kind of lined up with Philly? If Philly's going to keep playing P.J. Tucker, I like the Cavs. <laughs> oh, man. P- P.J.'s such a winner. He's he's like Danny Green. He is. Ooh. I, I, I mean, you I just wanted Don't to see your face. Dare. I just wanted there to see two, your face. There are two diehard Danny Green fans wow. on this podcast. You know, now, you know, if Cleveland really wanted, wanted to, to kind of take a swing year. on a guy... Danny Green coming off, now, coming off an ACL is it Achilles? Now, I don't remember. It, it was is an ACL and an MCL. Mm. Oh, crazy. This is why <laughs> flopping is bad, guys. Um, yeah. and, and but I actually think I think I hope Memphis hangs on to him. Memphis will go to the finals if Danny Green plays for him. Me- Memphis but, is my pick to come out of the West. I really like Memphis. I they don't should. think they're too young. I think they would have had a chance last year if Bain Jaw were healthy and if oh, Adams yeah. wasn't out with COVID. I think they would have had a chance to make the finals. You know, I say this. Uh, I say this quite often, talking about Memphis. But really, any of these young teams that that are got like a nice like 
core and in particular man they have Ja and they have jaron jackson Dude, and then that they land then they fall into desmond bain and it's like they they remind me of like 2011 2012 oklahoma city thunder and now granted <laughs> the thunder had kevin durant um and, and that's a you know you have a top 10 guy of all time and that's a whole different conversation um but those guys like the two young thing, if they were all rookies, yeah. But these guys have now they've been in the playoffs. They've kind of they've gotten this whole rivalry thing happening with a bunch of different teams. Like they've been in, the in year five. Like Jared Jackson Jr. is in year five. Yeah, and, and so I, I just think you know if Memphis makes it, yeah, it, it maybe it's a surprise because the Warriors didn't make it, or or you know the Nuggets. Sh- this is the year the Nuggets. Boy Jokic's name. Well, the Nuggets should make it this year to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but Memphis, I mean, if they make it, they nobody should be shocked. Yeah. No, Cleveland, look, if Cleveland makes it, I will be shocked because the competition in the East, like you've got to get through Milwaukee and Boston. That's yeah. tough. And yeah. guess what? To get to those guys, you may have to beat Brooklyn or you may have to beat Philly. Yeah. It, it's and, so funny and, to and me. If, like, and if, and if you get, if you get, seated so well you can avoid those guys you still might have to play a super battle tested miami team yeah i know i don't want to play jimmy butler in the playoffs no no he's just bananas man you're going to to lose a limb right and and it's so funny to me that people like there's so much panic of okay well what if the Cavs do lose it in the second round and they have to go up against milwaukee like we used to when we talk about basketball we would romanticize that struggle like Michael Jordan it took him it was it seven years but before he made it, the, the finals listen, man, right like now, I was and, a Bulls fan growing up the yeah Pistons, like, I hated the Pistons because they just beat us all the time that's that it, was romanticized right like you you run into an obstacle it takes a few years you learn something from the experience you add something in the offseason uh you, you change your game to beat these guys and then you get over the hump I've been told that's better than losing in the finals uh, but like you, you're, we're now at this point where if you don't do it in year one, it's oh man, that like that's that's a character flaw. Like, oh, you're, you're not listen. going to get over the hump. That you're a career loser. You don't got the clutch gene. You came up short. Like it, I, I just find like the discourse has been so poisoned. Like especially when it comes to young teams, this is what it looks like. This is what, it, especially as like player movement actually seems to be coming down a little bit, and these teams are having more sustained runs. This is what normal looked like in the NBA. Mm-hmm. The the eighty nine playoffs that that Detroit beat Chicago. I think often about the conversations that would be had in our space after that. Oh God. well, should Michael Jordan ask for a trade? You know what I mean, like that kind of stuff. But I don't know, man. Like I I, I like patience. I don't care if teams win championships. I, I mean, I'm lucky because I don't. I'm not a fan. You know, I don't root for any one team. I like fun teams, whether they win a title or not. It, it's just cool. Like they're just out there. Those titles don't really mean anything like in the, in the big, you know, the grand scheme of the universe. So if your team is fun, you should just enjoy it. I disagree, man. <laughs> I disagree. Some titles mean a lot. Well, some do, but and then, but then you, others you kind of surrounding them don't. It's fun. If you've got a fun team, right? Like it is fun to go through those struggles. And of course, the ideal scenario is it works out in a title. Like that's the best as a fan, as a sports fan, is to watch the guys, you know, be bad, come together, get better, and, and graduate. Right? Like it's just like watching a, I guess, a kid grow up. 
you yeah. know, Carter. I mean, very, very. Let us know similar. how. Let very, us know how that goes. Lot, a lot of connections. I'll tell uh, you yeah. what. Well, I, they I think poop the most the important... bed a lot when they're young, and then as they get older, <laughs> they do it less and less and less, and then maybe they can what, win. You sound like a parenting expert, right? You know, now, l- less and less games, like the one against the Warriors. That that sounds good. I, I that's think right. That's basically the the poop equivalent. But you know what? Like, <laughs> well, we'll see. And I, I think for me, what I want to see, I want my team to be in the mix. And I want my team to be trending in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's hard to argue that the Cavs aren't firmly in both of those camps, right? Like, there's just so much upward mobility with this roster. Jared Allen's 24 years old. Like, that's crazy. You guys have a bunch of cool players, too. It's not, look, you guys aren't out here trying to root for James Harden. (laughs) You know, like, and and I, again, I think he's a great basketball player. But, man, he's hard to watch. I just I, like pounding the leather off the ball, falling all over the place. You got some good, honest basketball players. You know, I, I think that that's a that's a good thing. I don't know. Cavs are easy. I mean, we talk about the Cavs on Nerder all the time because uh, you know they are such to me a promising team. I, I think that the future is. I mean, Evan Mobley is going. To, I think is going to be an All NBA player. Hmm. I, I think he is the the defense. Like we know where the defense is. We need the offense to come up, of course, but this is a year is we're at one point five. Yeah. Dude, not I was even thinking right? Was, not even I, two years. I was thinking the other day, this is a team that could literally have four Olympic players on it. You know, like I mean that that speaks to a lot about how many elite players are not from this country right now. Yeah. But like Darius, Jarrett, Evan, Donovan, all very, very legit candidacies. To, to make the Olympic team. Honestly, really, if they just really sent cool. the Cleveland Cavaliers, we, we would be pretty good because, I mean, FIBA rules. Jared Allen could wind up being one of the greatest international centers of all time oh, under God. FIBA rules. The ability to to play the, the ball on the rim with his, <laughs> du- double with his Jenny, intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> and Ricky. Don't forget about Olympic and Ricky. Ricky. Oh, oh man. man. No. Yeah, oh, can't we're toast. Rick, Ricky's going to be he's going to be cooking us from within. Yeah, he's going to be giving up all the secrets. All, all the recipes are, are going to be spilling out. But Dave, thank you so much. And you mentioned Nerder. Make sure you guys yeah. listening are subscribing to the Athletic NBA show. I love checking out all the podcasts on there, especially Nerder She Wrote with our good friend Dave Dufour. Big thanks, Dave, for you coming on. And a big thanks to everyone tuning in live on YouTube. Uh, if you want to support us, you can like and subscribe. Click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you are listening via podcast and want to support us, you can leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there until next time go cats Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.